Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're so overloaded and bombarded with information in the modern day. But when we lived in the cave, we walked around barefoot in nature. We ate what we could hunt, fish and gather. We looked at the stars in the sky at night. We sat around the campfire with our families. That's not part of our lives anymore. And that's actually very stressful for us because the brain benefits from spending time in nature. The brain benefits from, from letting your mind wander. And it benefits from warmth and bonding with loved ones. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me. Dr. Tara Swart is a world-renowned neuroscientist who helps people achieve mental resilience and peak brain performance. We first met Dr. Tara in episode 15 of season 1, and she's still one of our most popular episodes ever. In this episode, we're going to be getting more helpful hints and tips to improve brain performance, and we're even going to give meditation a go. And if you like this episode, Dr. Tara has also launched her own podcast called Reinvent Yourself with Dr. Tara, so make sure you go and check it out. And thanks again to Athletic Greens, who are on board again for this episode. If you're like me and you're a little bit blasé when it comes to getting all the right health foods into your system each day, get some AG1 by Athletic Greens. With one scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 quality vitamins vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics and aptogens to help you start your day right. Just visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Andy and you'll also get a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Again that's athleticgreens.com forward slash Andy to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I'll put the link in the synopsis as well to this episode so you can just click the link and take you straight to the website. Hope you enjoy the episode. Dr. Tara Swart, thank you very much for coming on the show again. Well, I'm so flattered to be one of the few people that you've invited back onto the show. I know. You uh, and Ollie Ollerton got the big alpha male and then the intelligent (laughs) human, superhuman brain. How have you been anyway? You've got a new podcast that's come out. Yeah, thank you so much for... um introducing me to my first guest yeah it's very exciting I've been working on that behind the scenes for a while and it launched um on September 21st and yeah I'm really excited because reinvention based on neuroplasticity is really my thing you know I've I've done that myself several times in my life I've helped other people to do it and now to have these amazing change stories but also to be able to share that with a wider audience is is really exciting and I think for me the thing is that people keep saying you're going to write another book and I like to move into a different genre I don't just want to keep like doing the same thing again so it's exciting to be a podcast host because I've never done that before your first episode was with Jim Hamilton of Mm -hmm. course how was that because like what are you actually trying to get out of your podcast you mentioned change what's the kind of overall arching details that you're trying to dig into that's a really great question and I had to spend a lot of time thinking about that so it was really clear in my mind when I like searched for guests and so it's either somebody like Jim who has a story of having reinvented their life or their career or it's somebody who is at a crossroads and would like to have that conversation with me where I can put the insights from science into 
to help them make their decision. Or it's just somebody who really loves neuroplasticity and psychology and, and can either relate that to their life story or, or allow me to help relate that to, to things that they've, they've done. That's interesting because it's so, there's so many people that go th- through those phases. And we mentioned Ollie Ollerton before and on the podcast. I, you mentioned that you, you listened to that episode, didn't you? Mm. And I talked to him a lot about the changes that I want to make in my life. And like mm-hmm. I'm trying to trying to get rid of my old job in a way that I can just go hard at podcasting and that's it. That's kind of like the, the types of things you're talking about, isn't it? Yeah, it's really similar. I think it's just a different perspective. So my perspective is that that's all underpinned with neuroplasticity and that if you understand what that is and how it works, then you can use that to create the new brain pathways that help you to become a full-time successful podcaster. So you mentioned something which is a real theme for people. Even though my podcast has only recently come out, there's a part where I say people are stuck in a job that they hate. And I've already had feedback from people saying, well, I think I'm going to keep listening to this podcast because hello, that's my story. Mm. And I think that maybe changed a lot or people had the opportunity to question that during the pandemic. Yeah. What they were doing, how they were doing it, you know, how it's how it suits their lifestyle. So it does feel like this wasn't by design, but that this idea of reinventing yourself or reinventing your life. There's a real time for it right now because we've just all been through this weird experience and in some ways it may have allowed people to pause or rethink what what they're doing with their life mm. and and take that opportunity to make a decision about how you're going to go forward and i would like to think that the science really helps and and i would love to to see what happens with your journey that understanding how the power of your thought can define what happens to you in the real world um means that you can can make those changes now and make them happen and actualize the life that you really want and your potential and everything. What I want to understand is how the what's happening with the brain during that time that mm. is stopping people from making big changes or making it harder to make those changes and how we can manage that process with the knowledge of what's happening with our brain mm-hmm. to actually go, okay, that's just neuroscience we can work through it by Mm -hmm. taking these steps so we may have actually talked about this before but one of the strongest gearings of the brain is loss avoidance so where usually the job that pays the bills that puts food on the table may be a job that you love or it may not be it's it represents security because money is the thing that gives us the roof over our head and our food and everything the things that we need to survive so, but the brain, and this really served us well in cave, cave people times, but it's not so much now. The brain wants to keep us safe. It doesn't want us to take risks. So the idea of ditching your job and your regular salary and taking a risk on starting up a business or being freelance or being entrepreneurial, that's very hard for people. You really have to override your natural wiring to take that first step. And when I was in that position, when I was thinking about changing career, they, they, I really, really felt for the first time how when you're standing on the edge of a precipice thinking like, what decision shall I make next? And maybe about to take a risk. 
that is so scary and you do not want to. And every time I had to take a deep breath and put that first foot forward, it was never as bad as I thought it was going to be. So even taking a risk obviously has consequences, but it's the thought of doing it that's actually so, so powerful. And that's a really key area where we need to work hard, but we can use that, harness that to like take back some control over whether we will take that risk or not. So for someone like me that's in that second category that you mentioned where it's like you're kind of in that process of trying to make a change what sort of questions are you asking? So I think it's it's not so much that I'm asking, well, I guess I am asking questions, but it's really trying to surface for you what it is that you believe that might be holding you back and whether it's really authentic and aligned for you because sometimes that's the reason that things don't work. People say that they want to do something or think that they want to or feel a lot of expectation to do a certain thing but it's not their deep down desire. And that's why there's that disconnect between actually doing it, um, making it work, taking the risk, etc. cetera. Um, so there's a disconnect between what you're saying you want and, and, the re- and oft- sometimes the reason that it's not working out is because it's not actually what you want. Um, I know with you, for example, that this, the podcast thing is what you really want. Um, but it has to be made to work in a way that sustains having a family and a life and all that kind of thing. So I would ask you to speak about it first logically, but then also emotionally. And I'm already pointing because I, I actually get people to to think, OK, I'm answering this question from my head, then from your heart and then from your gut so that you're aligning logic, emotion and intuition And the intuition can be a harder thing for people to access, but that's really where you can get that feeling of whether how sure you are that this is going to work out. When you feel so sure in your gut that it's going to work out, when it like burns like a passion in your heart and you can see the steps and the roadmap and the pathway to success, your chances of making that work are so much higher than if any one of those is out of kilter. Right. I feel like I'm completely aligned, mm-hmm. completely aligned. Mm-hmm. I've got, you know, there's financial concerns, mm-hmm. obviously, and that's mm. that's always the main thing with people that mm. they've got to try and overcome is that to make a big change, you know, you do have to factor in, am I going to be able to make money out of this situation yeah. in the short term as well? Yeah. It can't just be this like long term, oh, I'm going to do this. But that's where, you know, being able to, in that episode I had with Ollie Ollerton, he was like, you've got to burn your bridges. you just got to make this big change and you just got to go for it. You also talk about something similar where you do just have to make a big change sometimes and burn bridges, right? So I, I've shared widely that that was my personal experience and my story. I, I usually say that's not for everyone. But what I will say that I think really resonates with a lot of people is that the times in your life that you make something work are when you have no choice. That, that's what I feel. And so when I left medicine, I could have gone and done a weekend here and there to earn money to supplement my non-income at the time. Um, but I felt very strongly that if I did that, it was going backwards and that was failure. And I really think when your back's up against the wall and you have to make it work, that's when you do. So I forced myself into that situation by not 
finding an easier way to earn money. Um, I didn't have dependents at the time, so I kind of could, although I still had to pay my rent and bills and things like that. Um, it reminds me of somebody I met in America who had like had fleed a war-torn country, couldn't speak English at the time that that happened. And his English was so good by the time I met him, which was not many months after he'd moved. And I think I'm pretty good at languages. But I said to him, like, how did you learn English like so well, so quickly? And he said, because I had to. And that is a theme that really resonates with me. Um, so I'm not saying we have to make it unpleasant for ourselves, but we to, sometimes to give you that absolute determination. I love that image of the man that's digging for gold. And we can see that it's like one meter yeah. away, but he wants to give up. What, you know? Yeah, what's that saying? You're only ever a yard away from gold or something like that. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of new businesses fail and a lot of people try to start a podcast and it doesn't always work out. But I do think that to whatever extent we can control that outcome, the longer you can hold out of not giving up, the more chance it is that you're going to make, be the one that makes it successful, you know? It's so hard, but you've got to stick at it. And that's the thing with podcasting is that so many people don't. Yeah. So many people don't. Yeah. And how are you finding the feedback from your first episode? Um, it's been incredible so far. It was just lovely to get so many messages from people and and people love Jim, so that <laughs> he was a good one to start yeah. with. I think the photo of him and I with me being five foot nothing and him being six foot eight caused a lot of laughs as well. Yeah. But yeah, people have actually given me the feedback back that I really would have wanted which is that I was quick to relate things that he said to my own personal experiences and to the science and to my book or my teaching and things like that and that that's what was making it unique compared to just you know Jim being interviewed by someone else. I do a lot of research going into podcasts and obviously your first one it was quite easy because I could just read your book yeah. which is amazing the source Thank you. Uh, and that was that was easy. In this one, it was sort of more, I have to listen to a lot of podcasts that you're yeah. on and then a lot of other podcasts with other neuroscientists to get ideas mm -hmm. um, on what we can talk about. And I was doing this while I was away on holiday in Greece and mm. humble brag, but one of the things that they talked about uh, was trying to be present. I don't know how much you talk about this but I definitely, it definitely came up in a few conversations. And trying to be present and trying to really focus on what's happening around you. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I've been working on a lot. So the reason being, I started doing it before I went home to get married at the start of this year. So mm -hmm. we had to delay our wedding for two years. We had this wedding to look forward to for two years, You know, thinking it was only going to be a few months away in the yeah. beginning. I was conscious that, we had such a long build up that by the time we got home and we had three weeks at home, that was just going to go like that. Mm -hmm. I was conscious that on the day of the wedding, the whole day you hear all the time, the wedding day is, goes so so goes so quick mm. and it's over. Everything's mm. over. And there's this big build up and everything's over. So I was really trying to focus on being present so I could drag this moment out for as long as I could. And what I found is afterwards, I didn't have that, downer that you have mm. after a wedding or mm. after a big day or mm. you know oh christmas is over that that was a long build up for one day you know that kind of feeling yeah. when you're a kid the same thing when i was in greece is that 
you know, I'm only freshly back from that, but because I spent so much time going, trying to focus my mind on this is an amazing moment, this is awesome, this is great, like really focusing on now, that I I didn't come back to work and have this hangover of, oh my God, I'm back to work, this sucks, I wish I was back in Greece. Yeah. Because I'm still feeling like I felt when I was back in Greece. This is really long-winded, but am I making any sense and is there a thing about that? Is there some science behind this? So before we get to the science, what I'd love to say is that it really reminds me of that film About Time. Have you seen it? No, who's, it? who's in it? It's, um, I can't remember the name of the actor. That's I haven't one. seen it, but I'm going to look it up You, now. you should watch yeah. it because I think it will, it's a movie that basically shows what you've just said. So it's, it's about this father and son where the male members of the family, the male members of the family can move back and forth in time. And so they can go and re- redo days where it didn't go like exactly uh, as they wanted, for example. Yeah. And in the end, what the son, you see him go through a day where he's like on his commute, rushing to grab a coffee, get to work, etc. But what he realizes is that, is that you need to live every moment like it's not going to happen again and really appreciate it. And they show things. It makes me feel really emotional because it's so true that even when he was just buying a coffee it's the fact that he actually stopped and gave eye contact to the person that was serving him with such a lovely smile and things like that you know um and when you start noticing things like that and being more present it's so rewarding as well because you you it feel it's a feel-good thing you know we were we were meant to bond through making eye contact with each other for example and so many of us now are guilty of scrolling on our phone and half listening to our fa- you know whoever in our family is talking to us oh we all are but it makes such a big difference if you because when you said to me oh you know don't worry if your phone rings during I, I said oh it's on silent and you can see it's face down I don't even want to know if anybody's trying to contact me because right now you're the only person that matters in the world oh it's <laughs> nice so is there something scientific about the fact how I'm still feeling like I'm feeling like I was feeling in Greece because I've kind of been trying to focus my mind. And is are there things that people can do to try and stay present? So I think what you apart from turning off their phone, yeah, yeah, that digital detox is a good one. Um, what you've essentially done is not multitask, and we multitask all the time. We're overloaded with bombarded with information all the time that the brain filters out, and so you either forget things or you don't pay attention to them and then they get filtered out by the brain and they're not tagged as important in the brain. But what you've done is focused your attention on the experiences that you're having on and, and through all of your senses, because I'm sure it was about food that you ate and you know flowers that you smelled and sunshine that you felt on your skin and being immersed in water and things like that. So you just... You basically, when you pay attention, that's what your brain remembers. That, that's a phrase. Course, you you yeah. remember what you pay attention to. So you've almost been able to freeze time and capture that feeling because you've actually properly engaged with it and not been half, you know, reading something else or working or um, just... Texting not, or... Yeah, and yeah. not appreciating it. You talk a lot about manifestation and visualization. There is science behind the building neuro pathways to because manifestation is kind of it used to be a bit hocus pocus right 
but now there's actual like hard evidence science behind how it works and that's the bit that I want to sort of dig into and try mm-hmm. and understand because the book that came out called The Secret mm-hmm. and it was all kind of, I don't know, I didn't read it, but the gist that I got was say something's going to happen and it will happen. What's the actual science behind it? Is that as easy as it is or is that as straightforward as how it works or I'm guessing there's probably a little bit more to it? So I think the divide is between the kind of science that says it's about vibrations and the way that you think. And one of the big criticisms of it has been that if bad things happen to you, then it's because you thought, of, you know, you thought right, in a negative yeah. way and that's that's not well received and not also not true. From my point of view, when you say the hard science or the real science, we're talking about empirical science, which means it's based on evidence. It's not a theory. It's based on actual experiments and statistics. And because it's to do with the way that you think... It made sense to me that cognitive science, which is neuroscience and psychology, which are evidence-based, that those should be the sciences that could explain this phenomenon. And the first thing I will say is that I absolutely do not believe or encourage people to say, if you just think of something, then it will happen. It has to be that you think of something, you set a goal, you take steps to move yourself towards that goal, And you take responsibility and accountability for making this happen. It's not about creating a fantasy and then sitting at home on your sofa and just waiting for a a check to come in the post or, you know, your dream person to turn up or a job offer to sort of come to you. You've got to to do the dating, the networking, whatever it is to make that happen. And actually, it's not just that you have to to make it happen. But if if you do things and you show yourself evidence that this was the thing I wanted... I then went and did X number of things to make that happen. So, okay, you know, you want to be full-time podcasting. When that happens for you, and you know that you are the person that did all the things that made that happen, you didn't sit on your sofa and it magically like fell into your lap, that's very empowering. And then you start thinking, wow, okay, there was a time that I wasn't sure if I could make that happen, but I have made that happen. What else can I do? That's when you start thinking, it's, it's very expansive. You start realizing that the power to achieve those things and change your life is all in you. And, and what I'm really passionate about helping people to believe and understand is that your brain is way more powerful than you realize right now. Even as a neuroscientist, I'm constantly surprised by the things that I managed to manifest or things that I hadn't even thought were possible that then start to look like they could happen. And I, you know, contribute to that process and make it happen as well. So I often say, be careful what you wish for, because once you start on the manifestation journey and you take control of it, rather than feeling like it's happening to you, that's the beginning of the rest of your life. It works the other way as well, though, doesn't it? Because our brains are wired to focus on negatives. And so that is a really good question because it's very important to understand that neuroplasticity, which underpins manifestation, works for bad and good. So a classic example is obsessing over an ex that you've broken up with. And every time you think about that person and you think about the bad experience, you're reinforcing in your brain that if you fall in love with someone, it's all going to go wrong. So... What we encourage there, and this comes both from Buddhist philosophy, but also very much backed up by the the modern science now, is 
that you need to replace that kind of tendency to think negatively with some kind of positive affirmation or mantra. If you have a specific repeated doubt or insecurity about your podcast working out, that's a thought that's recurring in your head, right? Yeah. Or I could give you a better example. Okay. Okay. So I was away on holiday and I was trying to be this, I'm living in the present guy. Yeah. And I'm going to stretch this out because it's worked for me before. And I was like, I'm really going to focus on everything. I got some bad news about work Mm -hmm. and it just ruined my day. And I knew what was happening inside my head. Mm. I could understand that I could not do anything about this, Mm. but... I could not get it out of my head mm. and I was not I wasn't good to be around I knew I wasn't good to be around mm. I was in a bad spot for a whole day I was trying so hard to get it out of my head because it was this like negative spiral of something bad that's happened that mm. got under my skin and got, got into my head and I couldn't do anything about it but I, I couldn't get it out of my head I yeah. knew that I couldn't actually fix the problem yeah okay so so two things the first one is that if something genuinely bad happens, I have given myself a time limit for how long I'm allowed to dwell on that. But it's not. It's it's okay to feel upset if something bad happens. That's part of living truthfully. Um, but what we can't do is let that drag us down for so long and so far that we can't get back up on our feet and roll our sleeves up and move forward and do the next thing that we want to achieve. So, and, and it took me years and that process of neuroplasticity to say, okay, you know, sometimes you have a bad day for no reason, or sometimes something happens and it is genuinely upsetting. This is how long you're allowed to wallow in it. And then you've got to like pick yourself up and, and move forward again. So first of all, give yourself permission to have some time to, you know, to process what happened and going back to what I was saying earlier, you, you need to dig below the thought process that you're having and understand what it is that you believe that's leading to that thought. I gave myself a day because mm-hmm. I'd heard you on a podcast talking about this. Okay. And I was thinking, <laughs> I can't shift it. Yeah. I can't shift this. And I was thinking it wasn't getting any better throughout the day. The next day I had some clarity. Yeah, I turned my phone off. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not engaging in anything related to it. Mm. And I was better the next day. And by the third day, I was sweet. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, I think some a good night's sleep always helps. Of course, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, had, I used to have a list in my journal of things to do if, if I'm feeling down. So that, because sometimes your judgment gets so clouded by bad news and negative thinking that it's hard to be resourceful and say, okay, I'll go for a walk or I'll, you know, go and have a square of dark chocolate or something. Mm. So... I had a list that I could refer to if I needed to. And then again, over time with neuroplasticity, I didn't need to go and look at the list anymore. I knew what the things were that that I should do. Action boards mm-hmm. are in line kind of moving on from your journaling part of it. There's science behind how they work as well. They're visualization boards. You call them action boards. Yeah, I call them action boards for the reason that we discussed, which is that you must take action based on that. Again, you can't just be gazing at at these pictures and hoping that somehow they'll come true. Although there is some science that would still support that that would have an effect because if you repeatedly look at these Im- this imagery that you've created that represents to you the things that you want to happen or to come into your life, then you're impressing upon your subconscious that chooses what it filters out during the day that this 
is important to you by so by repeatedly exposing your eyes to it you're imprinting it more on your brain than than general things and so in a regular day we receive so much stimulation to all of our senses and the brain does a lot to filter some of that out so we're not we're not aware of the clothes on our body all day for example and because you have you keep telling your brain this is something I want you are more likely to notice and grasp opportunities that might have passed you by on a regular day when you're rushing to work or you're, you know, sort of thinking about something else. So creating the vision board, it is a tactile thing. So I do do prefer people to do it um, by hand rather than digitally, but sometimes I do it digitally these years. Looking at it repeatedly is part of that priming process for how your brain tags what's important, what it will filter in and out. And spending some time visualizing those things coming true, like really thinking about how that would feel to be a full-time podcaster. And I've added in a new thing recently, which is give gratitude as if it's already come true. So wake up every morning and say, thank you so much that I'm a full-time podcaster now. It's dream come true. say it. Yeah. You can say it in your head or you can say it out loud, but... What's it doing? So what that's doing is... Coming back to what you said about how we tend to think negatively, we can't let go of you know things that go wrong. We worry that things will go wrong. That's a fear state in the brain. And that correlates with levels of the stress hormone cortisol. And when we have high levels of circulating cortisol, the blood flow in the brain is moved away from the higher centers and down to the survival centers. So your chances in that state of taking a risk, of grabbing an opportunity, of asking for a favor are low. You will do the minimum to survive in that state. Giving gratitude moves your brain away from fear and stress to love and trust and joy and excitement. And that correlates with the bonding hormone oxytocin. That lowers your guard. It increases your trust in people and the world. So you're much more likely to say, well, actually, like I did with you, when you know, you, you had been asking me for a while to come back on the pod and... When I said, I think I'll have time in September, that's when I said to you, and by the way, I'm looking for a really interesting former sports person who's changed their career. And I looked everywhere and had to settle with Jim. I'm sorry. (laughs) Tried everyone. And actually that, that our real exchange is a story of that kind of love, trust, joy, because you said to me, yeah, okay, I can think of someone. Do you want to send me like a one pager or something so I can tell him what it's about but because you'd been saying to me for so long like I loved your episode on the podcast I really want you to come back I said to you it was a bit of a joke but I said well to be honest I was just hoping you'd tell him I'm amazing and he should come on my podcast and you were like oh yeah I can do that straight away (laughs) you said I've texted him already so yeah that was me operating from a place of oxytocin flowing through my body and me thinking I may as well ask and I really feel very sure that he would want to help me and of course yeah but we don't sometimes don't do that thing because we think, oh, you know, should I ask? Will he mind? Like, maybe he won't help me. I could have done all of that thinking. But at some point, I just decided to ask. Like, the worst thing that could happen would be that you would say, I don't know anyone. Gratitude is such a key thing because mm. that comes up in so many podcasts that I do. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And it's always people that have gone through, like, the worst of situations. And they've always got this gratitude thing that it, it's starting to rub off on me a little bit, which is great. But at the same time, 
I'm kind of in awe of these people that have gone through things and they're so grateful for the small things in life. Mm -hmm. That part of your brain, did you just explain that actually, how that all works? Well, I, I was talking about something slightly different, but immediately my brain was going and I was thinking it's the same thing, isn't it? Because if something terrible happens to you, it's completely understandable and the easiest default position to live with sadness or shame or anger and stress but you might be able to make the choice to live with gratitude and that could help you to move forward from whatever bad experience you've had so I think maybe it's true that these people who've had terrible experiences that you and I both know examples of that at that low point that's when you make that decision that I can stay like this forever or I can choose to look for what's good and beautiful and positive in the world and that's less stressful for me sometimes again I feel it's human nature that we don't make that decision until our back's up against a wall and I've been on a a long journey with gratitude I used to just write 10 things I'm grateful for in my journal and then one big light bulb moment for me was that changing from all kind of external things like friends and family and travel and you know sort of great job opportunities or whatever to becoming more internal resources so me understanding that being grateful for being strong being creative being vulnerable being you know intuitive that the more I repeated those things to myself that when I did face challenges I it it was very front of mind for me that oh well you know I can think of a way out of this I can like I can manage you know the impacts of a challenging situation and then I would say thirdly that that you're right that maybe from not maybe from some of the worst situations I've had to face personally, that intention to find things to be grateful for and be more grateful than even I was before has definitely been very strong. And for that reason, whether it was the pandemic, um, whether it's things you perceive as a grief or a loss, that I'm so great, I'm so grateful, genuinely, that I've been doing all the work on my mental resilience, on gratitude, on journaling, on mindfulness, because those things have really served me when I've needed them. And what I'd love your listeners to to maybe get out of this episode is don't wait till something bad happens to you to try try to start all those things. Like, start it now. It's like armour. It'll be there when you need it. And you will need it. Probably. Everyone needs it at some point because yeah. what did the Queen say? Grief is the price we pay for love and it's like it's so true but it's quite scary if you do it enough with the gratitude thing you can you're actually physically rewiring your brain right yeah yeah so it's it's so I had another and I think having good people around you really helps as well because I might be the neuroscientist but I'm still human and this came up for me during around my book launch and and maybe it's going to happen a bit more now because of the podcast launch amazing things happened I was so happy and my Immediate response to those things was, I can't believe this. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Happened. 
And I actually said that to a friend of my uh, friend of mine, who's he's my friend's husband, but he's my friend too. And I said, you know, every time these things happen, I keep saying I can't believe it. And he said, why don't you say I'm so grateful instead? And so I started noticing when I was about to say, or I just said, I can't believe it, and changing it to I'm so grateful that this happened. And it took me some time and some effort to to replace that phraseology. And then I remember there was just a day that I walked into a room and something good had happened and I thought I'm so grateful that this has happened and it was that was my first thought rather than I can't believe it so he you know he really helped me he's done a lot of spiritual development and stuff himself but that sometimes you need somebody else to say why don't you do this like I would you know sometimes say those things to you if you are like physically wiring your brain to be grateful mm. So you're naturally going to be more grateful for, like feeling more grateful for everything, right? Mm-hmm. Is it the same if you're feeling negative, you're going to become more and more negative as a person? So the answer to that is basically is yes, because every time you do anything, every time you recall a memory, every time you feel a certain emotion, every time you have a thought, you are reinforcing that in your brain. That's what neuroplasticity is. Your brain is being molded and shaped constantly by everything that that you're exposing it to. And that's one of the reasons that most of the neuroscientists that I know don't watch the news because it's a constant bombardment of bad news. Well, the news is like mostly bad. You know, they don't (laughs) really report great happy things that are happening. It's mostly it's mostly bad. And and on social media equally, that if you're constantly looking at people where you feel like they've got a better life than you then you're, you, you are like telling your brain that your life is no good, that you don't look good enough, that you're not happy, you wish you had a different setup. And that's not good for us at all. So if I wanted to get more Instagram followers, <laughs> I need to show people how shit my life is so that <laughs> I make them feel better and more grateful for their life. I genuinely feel like there is a, a, a sort of tide that's turning now where people are looking for authenticity and knowledge rather than what used to be seen as aspirational, but basically makes us feel bad about our own life. So for me, I, I don't talk about mindfulness because it's not like, it's not it's not in my dialect and my everyday work and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But what should, what should I be doing to practice it for want of a better term? I mm-hmm. guess that is the term. Mm-hmm. Like, what should I be doing? And then how is that going to affect me scientifically, I guess? Mm-hmm. Well, whenever I have to answer a question about why we do certain things, why we should bring certain practices into our life, I always take it back to evolution. So, because a lot of people say, why do we have to do mindfulness? And we've already talked about the fact that we're so overloaded and bombarded with information in the modern day. But when we lived in the cave, we walked around barefoot in nature We ate what we could hunt, fish and gather. We looked at the stars in the sky at night. We sat around the campfire with our families. That's not part of our lives anymore. And that's actually very stressful for us because the brain benefits from spending time in nature. The brain benefits from from letting your mind wander. And it benefits from warmth and bonding with loved ones. So because those things are no longer naturally very much part of our life, we need to bring those things into our life. 
Sorry about the interruption, but coming up next week is convicted fraudster Matthew Cox. Now, Cox once topped the US Secret Service's most wanted list and was labeled the most prolific mortgage fraud con artist of all time. So I went to Las Vegas. I was surveying homeless people and I saw a couple of guys sitting on a bench and the one guy came up to me and I said, hey, I'm taking surveys. And I would tell them I was taking surveys for the Salvation Army. You know, they'd say, oh, I'm not interested. And I'd say, well, it's, it's a survey to determine where we place our next homeless facility and it pays $20 cash right now. Oh, yeah? I go, yeah, right. You're going to give me cap, 20 bucks right now, right now. Okay. They give me their name, date of birth, social security number, all their information. And then I would go online and I would order a copy of their driving record, their birth certificate, social security card. I'd register to vote in their name. And then I would get a, a I'd make a fake lease in their name and I'd go into a, a DMV, a driver's license, you know, the bureau where you, they issue driver's licenses in each state. I'd go into a state where they'd never had one issued. And I'd give them my information and say, I just moved here from Nevada or wherever. And they would give me an ID. So this one guy I go up to, his name's Gary Sullivan. And I'd done this, listen, I did it 50, 100 times. And I go up to this guy and he walks up to me. His name's Gary Sullivan. I said, hey, and I tell him the same story. And he, as he's talking to me, I, one of the questions I would ask is, are you, have you ever been arrested for, um, uh, ever been arrested? Do you have a felony? And he said, well, I've been arrested a few times, but I don't, I've never had a felony. He goes, I, and I, oh, what were you arrested for? And he'd say, he goes, prostitution. And I thought, it's weird because like, I always thought males got solicitation. Women were charged with prostitution. I went, you mean solicitation? He goes, no, I, I was offering to blow guys for 20 bucks a pop. And I offered to blow a police officer for $20. And I was like, oh, okay, you're a male prostitute. He goes, yeah. I said, oh, okay. So I write down, okay, no problem. And then I, I leave and I go to South Carolina. This was in Nevada, which is where Las Vegas is. So I go to South Carolina and I get an, an ID in his name. I order all of his documents. I go there. I then go and I buy two properties in South Carolina in his name. He has no credit. He actually has bad credit. I end up paying off like $20,000 worth of medical collections that he had just to clean the credit up. So I buy two houses and I satisfy the loans on those houses. And then I turn around and I go and I borrow $1.3 million on those properties. So then I'm pulling money out of, I, I then take that money and I deposit it into about six or seven different banks in different, in my name and different names and several corporations. Like I was laundering, you have to launder the money. And then one day I walk into the bank and I'm waiting for them to give me like eight grand or something. I forget what the amount was. And a sheriff, two sheriffs walk up behind me and handcuff me, they grab me and just put handcuffs on. And I'm like, holy shit. And they go, Mr. Sullivan, you know, we need to talk to you in the back room. You're being detained. And I was like, ooh, ooh. And I, what's going on? They pay, take me and they sit me down. And I'm like, what's going on? And they said, well, we don't really know. We're just waiting for the detective to show up. And at that point, I knew I was on the Secret Service's most wanted list. Like I was on it. And I knew they were looking for me because there were all kinds of articles coming out. But these guys kept calling me Gary Sullivan. But I, for some reason, I remember thinking the FBI was showing up. They kept saying detective. Like, I didn't know what the difference between a detective, an officer, and um, an agent was. Like, I don't know the difference. I'm waiting for the FBI to show up. Suddenly, this guy walks in. He looks like he's in his late 30s or in his early 30s. And he says, hey, I'm a detective with the um, Richland County Sheriff's Department. 
And I was thinking, okay. And he, and I was like, Oh my, and he's, he's like, uh, so Gary, we have, a, we have a problem. And I'm like, Oh my God, he's calling me Gary Sullivan. He's calling Mr. Sullivan. And so he says that Wachovia bank says that I'm committed fraud. And I went, really? And he goes, yeah. And he, and he said, they said that you have several more, you have three mortgages on this property. And I went, is that illegal? And he goes, you know, I don't know. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm, I'm walking out of here. That's coming up next week. Now back to Dr. Tara Swart. Now, the easiest, most basic thing I could say to you about how do I practice mindfulness is get a meditation app and sit down and listen to that for 15 minutes a day. Um, and that's not a bad way to start. And I, I certainly started by doing that. I tried that. I got bored. Did you? Yeah, I just found like, I don't know. I mean, you do need to find a voice that you like, I think. Um, It felt a little bit disconnected because I didn't know the person or didn't know, like it was just an app. I felt like I was talking, like listening to a computer or like, I don't know. I I I didn't get it. Look, it works for loads of people. So it's definitely been a great advance in terms of bringing that to the modern world and the the Western world. But, and like I said, I did do that for a while till I got myself to the point where I didn't need the guided voice. I could just do it by myself. Would you recommend any that... I should look at. I mean, you know, I, I like Headspace. Headspace. Yeah, and c- Calm is good and Buddhify. But if if that's not for you and it's really not for everyone, then under the umbrella of mindfulness is meditation, yoga. Have you tried yoga? I love yoga. I haven't done it for ages, but uh, I, I do enjoy it. And what I liked about what you're saying is that I do, I've been doing a lot of F45 mm-hmm. and I enjoy that because it's like team exercises and stuff. But also, it obviously, high-intensity training produces the stress hormone, right? Yeah. So it's not really shifting everything that I want it to shift. It's not, it's not, it's not moving the belly, but that might be the bear. <laughs> but, but so now I'm thinking, hey, yoga. And yeah. there's a reason for that, right? And I had a similar insight, which is that I was doing a lot of yoga at one point. And I was counting that as my physical exercise. But then I I really realized that yoga is mindfulness and stress reduction. It's not aerobic or weight. You know, they're different. And they each have their own benefits. But I think, especially if you're holding on to some some belly fat, then reducing your cortisol levels would actually be really important. And, And your face lit up when I mentioned yoga. So... I love the sleepy time at the end, whatever yeah. that's called. Shavasana. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now it's time for, yeah. That was, you feel so good. And sometimes when the yoga instructor will come around and just like maybe give your head a little bit of a rub or something, <laughs> you're like, I am just in a world of bliss right now. <laughs> well, it's, it feels like you should really like go back to that because that's going to be good for your stress levels, good for the belly um, and bring mindfulness into your life. And And those are all things that will help you to achieve the podcast outcome that you want. That's the important thing as well, is to not feel like, oh, I shouldn't be spending time doing that, but understanding that all of these things are helping you to achieve that goal. Personally, I have moved away from doing formal meditation. I really need to get back to my yoga as well, but I do a lot of barefoot walking. I always eat Barefoot my- walking on on the grass and stuff? Is there- Indoors, outdoors, outdoors. so like- uh, it's. It, certain substances um, create that grounding effect for you. So obviously like sand, grass, um, but concrete, wood, that the, they can all give you I the heard, same benefit. I, I don't know if you know much about this, but 
when you walk bare feet on the ground, and I'm talking not concrete, not the house, you there's some electrical grounding that happens as if like you were grounding an electrical wire because obviously there's energy that runs through you. And one of the problems that we've got in the modern world is we very rarely have like skin on ground contact. You think about today, I haven't. The last time I did was when I was in on holiday. Most people will go could go weeks without actually touching the ground. I'm talking like the soil, not just not just the concrete or the is that do you know much about that? Um I'm not an expert on it, but I do know that spending time in nature has a hugely beneficial effect on the brain, on stress, on your health. Um, the barefoot grounding, is it's a thing that's been known about for a long time. I think it is seen as a bit more esoteric, woo-woo, but I do it and I feel that it, have, it has a benefit for me. So I think with all of these things, of course we prefer to have evidence, but if in the absence of it, try it out and see if it makes you feel better. And if it does, keep doing it. And if it doesn't, don't. So when you're practicing mindfulness mm. and you're doing what you're doing, mm. what is ha- like what effect is that having on the brain that's making your life better? So long term, it's reducing your cortisol levels. So there's a study that shows a group of women of the same age that do yoga three times a week have lower cortisol levels than a group of women the same age that don't. So right. regular mindfulness practices reduce your stress levels over time. At that's the, why yoga is so good. That's right. right. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. And then in the moment, if you're actually formally doing meditation or shavasana, shavasana or whatever it is, then at that time, your brain does go into a state of relaxed alertness. And actually, that's why, you know, so inevitably at the end of a yoga class with, with men in it, somebody's snoring. Mm you're not actually supposed to fall asleep because we're all we all know how to sleep and we all know how to be really switched on. My friend got kicked out of yoga because he did that. Really? Yeah. He might have failed as well. I'm not sure. But <laughs> he definitely got kicked out for snoring. Um, that's a bit sad. He should be taught to, you know, be able to stay in that state of being very relaxed but still awake. Dom Harvey is his name. He's got a podcast oh, as well. And- <laughs> he won't mind. He won't mind. He'll enjoy the publicity knowing him. This is so funny. Yeah. Poor guy. Poor guy. He wanted to try it. He wanted to give yoga a crack and um, he, he gave expelled. it a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So it lowers your cortisol levels and that has a long-term benefit to you. Mm-hmm. Right. That moves me into meditation because obviously we're talking about, we're touching on it a little bit here mm-hmm. and this is what mindfulness is part of meditation, right? Well, meditation is part of mindfulness. Yeah, the other yeah, way around. Yeah. yeah. So, what's happening with meditation that makes it? This is something that really interests me. Because mm-hmm. again, going back to my friend Dom Harvey, he did meditation, and <laughs> the one that fell asleep and farted in yoga and got expelled. <laughs> he did meditation. He's not the kind of guy like that would be like, oh, it's. He, he's more the kind of guy that's I'm not doing yoga I'm mm. not doing meditation it's, mm. it's yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a man I don't need to do that but like he 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 tried it and he he was he ended up doing it in the mornings and he yeah. would be doing it before work he'd be doing it like 4 30 and he said it felt like 
he was getting a full night. He was waking up from a full night's sleep yeah. every time he did it. And he's doing it for 10 minutes. But he had to go through this whole course on how to do it properly. Like it wasn't on an app. He did a proper thing okay. to learn how to do it. Right. He had his own mantra that he'd say. He wouldn't tell me what it was. Mm. Um, he said it was deeply personal. So but, that's transcendental meditation. Okay. Yeah, and that has really strong proven benefits for productivity, um, for accessing more of your brain power. There are different types of meditation and most of them are for stress reduction or to help you sleep and reduce anxiety. But there are some forms of meditation that actually boost your cognitive power. Right. So that's really interesting. Um, How does it do that? Well, it's a combination of factors. So one is, is the wave state that your brain is in. And so by meditating you can access the wave states that lend your brain to creative thinking, problem solving. Basically, it all ma- it's, it's like it's training your brain. It's making your mind sharper. It's helping you to focus better, to pay attention more, to recall things more, to concentrate, and you know, even potentially to override tiredness, the way he said, I felt like I had a whole night's sleep. And then, yeah, there's this, I wrote about it in the source, actually, because I... I happened to be going to Singapore when I read this research paper that came from a university in Singapore about the types of meditation that boost your cognitive power. And one of them, I made a kind of non-religious version of it, but it's related to transcendental meditation. It's an ancient Tibetan type of meditation where you identify with a powerful icon. So actually, this could be really good for you, Andy, because if we come back to the manifestation that you want which is to be a full-time successful podcaster and that that's earning you more money than your old job think of somebody who you really admire because of what they've achieved in their podcasting and when you do your meditation so either get a photo of them or just you know visualize what they look like if you have got a photo look at it stare at it for a couple of minutes first and then put that down close your eyes and recreate that picture in your mind and just see their face, their face, facial expression, what they're wearing, everything about them. And then think about the qualities that they have or the things that they've achieved that you want. And basically embody those qualities in yourself. Like kind of go from looking at the photo to creating that imagery of the person in your mind to almost like feeling like you are that person and experiencing what it's like to be that successful, being an icon, being known for being in podcasting, being su- asking such great questions, having such great guests. Feel all of that until you realize that you have those qualities already and just keep practicing that like every day. And if you go back to the source, it's towards the end. It's called identifying with a powerful icon. And in religious terms, they do it with gods and goddesses. But but we can all do it with somebody who either we want to be like or we want to channel certain, you know, personality attributes that they have. It's a really, really powerful exercise. I'm so glad that we talked and I actually got to the one that was going to be right for you. Right? Like, I... I'm so excited for you to try this. Should we try it? Can we do one now? Um, do you want to pick a person? What, do I tell you who the person is? You, I guess you don't have to, but I mean, I, I would just talk you through what I've just said, which okay. is that I'd say like, okay, like 
sit down, close your eyes, imagine this person in your mind's eye. Look Should I do it now? Should okay. I, okay. Should okay. I try? So you're going to close your eyes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then do I, I don't tell you, I don't tell you who it is, do I? What do I take? Do you I, don't what? have to, but I'm feeling like you threw your friend under the bus. So I, I feel like you like should have to say. I'm going to let the people decide that are listening to this who they want to think they are if they're yeah. closing their eyes and yeah. doing the same thing. Because I listened to you do a meditation on another show mm. and I closed my eyes and did it and I was gassed up by the end of it. Were you? I was like, this is awesome. I And um, that's where I messaged you straight away on instant. I was like... We're doing, doing this. We're doing a meditation. And you know, I said like, I said, yeah, sure we can. But what I was, what I've been thinking ever since you sent me that message is I'm not just going to like choose a random meditation and do it. It's, I've got to feel that this is the one that was meant to be for your podcast. And all this time in the back of my mind, I've obviously been completely focused on your questions, but I have been waiting for that. Okay. When am I going to get that feeling that this is the meditation that I should do on on Andy's podcast, and I, I'm this one is for you, but hopefully it will have that same effect on on other people as well. Okay, um, all right. So I close my eyes. Yeah. So how long? How long is this so going to be? Do you think? Um, I'll just do like a short one, but okay. you can start extending it when you do it because we'll probably just do something like five minutes today. Great. But if you could build yourself up from five to ten, and then to fifteen minutes when you're doing it at home, that would be ideal because. Ideally, your brain needs to be in that state for over 12 minutes. Right. Um, and that's when you get the benefits. Well, we're, we're getting to the end of the podcast. So, yeah. like, we, you, we can take as long as you want, okay. as long as you've got. So, okay. Wh- whatever. Okay, so am I closing my eyes? Well, first of all, okay. you need your Do- feet flat on the floor, which you have. And you can't have anything crossed. So, you know how you wear like this? Ah, you have to, like, keep... I your, didn't even know I was like that. Yeah. yeah. Was I? You have to okay. have your legs and your arms on So, crossed. I can't cross yeah. my fingers. And you can't, so, and sit comfortably. And you're going to sit like that for a bit. So, like, you know, you can sit back. So, yeah, close your eyes. And if you feel that your tongue is stuck to the roof of your mouth, let it go. And now I'd like you to turn your attention to your toes and lengthen your toes as if you're pushing them into warm, dry, golden sand. And then feel that warmth diffusing up across your foot, up through your ankle joint, up your shins into your knee joint, up your thighs, through the trunk of your body, down your shoulders, your upper arms, your forearms and all the way to your fingertips. And then up your neck, all around the back of your head and that warm tingly feeling Coming down your forehead, your eyes, your nose, your mouth. And relaxing your eyeballs and sort of imagining that you're looking inward a little bit. And now just paying attention to your breath and just noticing how deeply you're breathing and whether you're in breath and your out-breath are equal, or one is longer than the other. Not changing anything, just really noticing your breath. 
And then whilst breathing normally, just noticing if there's any tension in any particular part of your body and letting that go with your out-breath. And then taking some slightly deeper breaths in and out. And releasing any tension that you're holding anywhere in your body. And now call to mind an image of the person that is the icon that you want to identify with. They could be the same gender as you or not. Imagine that they're sitting right in front of you and looking at you as if you two were having a conversation. And from the top down, look at every detail that you can notice about this person. Their hair colour, hairstyle, length of their hair, what colour their eyes are, whether they're smiling or not, what they're wearing. And keep looking at their face in great detail. And imagine that you've told them something really funny and watch them burst out laughing. And then imagine that you've shared something really insightful with them and notice the look of awe on their face. And now ask this person to share their best piece of advice with you for what it is that you want to achieve. And when you get that answer, just make a note of it in your head and like keep send it like a little postcard to the part of your brain where you can access it whenever you need to hear that. And now go more inward with the person and start to make a list of words that describe the characteristics that they have that you so admire and want to have or boost in your own brain and personality. As you're making this list, start to acknowledge which of these characteristics you already have. You might be surprised it's more than you thought. And now, in this scenario, in your mind, imagine that you close your eyes so you can't see that person sitting in front of you anymore. And with your 
eyes closed. Embody those characteristics that you were just thinking about in that person. Like feel them in your own body. And with each of the words that you've used to describe that person, attach each of those words to a certain part of your body. So your strength, if it was strength, that could be in your core. If it was funny, that could be in your brain. If it was flexible, that could be in your joints. So assign the characteristics to a part of your body that makes sense to you. And then very slowly in your mind's eye, so not in real life where you're sitting here now, but in this mental image in your mind, the you that's sitting there with your eyes closed, you're going to slowly open your eyes and the person that you were identifying with is no longer sitting in front of you. But when you look down, you're that person. So you're wearing the clothes that they were wearing You've got the body shape and size that they have. You're, you're wiggling your fingers in front of your face in this imagery and it's their hands. So you are now that person. You look like that person. You sound like that person. You can try in your mental imagery speaking out loud, hearing their voice. Like you hear them on the podcast that you listen to all the time. You've got the mental acuity of that person. You've got the emotional intelligence of that person. You've got the sense of humor of that person. And really just take some time whilst just gently breathing normally to feel what it feels like to be that icon. And then in your mind's eye, close your eyes again. Take a big deep breath in and out. And when you open your eyes, that person's sitting in front of you again. You're back to being you. You both stand up and shake hands or hug. And that person leaves the room. But you've still got that postcard in your brain. That is the message that you give to yourself every day. of the icon that you're going to become. And when you're ready, bring yourself back into your body, back into this room. Start to gently wiggle your fingers and toes and just slowly flutter your eyes open. Wow. <laughs> What a journey. Oh. Well, I really went like, I kind of like almost like channeled that. How long was that? 
I, I, I don't know because I didn't have my phone in front of me. You'll know when you listen to the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm going to be able to listen to that back as well and just be like, let's go on that journey again. That's crazy. <laughs> Who do you think the guy was? I was thinking Joe Rogan. Oh, do you know what? It was Joe Rogan when you were talking at, before we started the meditation. Yeah. And as soon as I closed my eyes and you're like, it was Louis Theroux. Yeah, and I was like, "This makes this makes so much more sense." So much sense, yeah. Do you think? Because I felt that that was deeply personal to me. Mm-hmm. When someone else listens to that, I because I wasn't even thinking about other people listening to that. No, I was thinking I'm on my little journey here. Mm-hmm. Will that appeal to other people? Will other people like be? Will will other people be able to take that and use it? So it's really interesting because the one that you listened to, I think, was my friend Mallory's podcast, wasn't it? Yeah. So she's I, amazing, she's, by the way. She's amazing. What's her podcast called? Living Fully. Living Fully. Yeah. I had tailored that one very specifically to something that she had shared with me. So I had that doubt at that time, is this really going to appeal to anyone else? Because the original version, which is in my book and I did on our other friend Jenna's um, podcast, on hers I did the more generic one. Um, for Mallory, I, I changed it. Um, but the fact that you, you know, she's this Southern belle, you're this Kiwi guy. I mean, it shouldn't have appealed to you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it did. And with, with the one I just did for you now, yeah, I did mention podcast, I think, once, but I tried to keep it as general as possible so that it would appeal to other people as well. Oh, that's exciting. Can't wait to hear. If it doesn't like. appeal to you, go and listen to that podcast that you did with Mallory. Yeah. Tara, thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. I was just thinking, Jim and I did give you quite a few shout-outs on our episode, didn't we? Yeah. That's why I enjoyed it so much. You might have noticed <laughs> I, was, I was messaging you, you go, oh, yeah, this is great, this is great. And then there was silence for the next half hour because I, I was just listening to my name and that's it. <laughs> no, that was a great podcast. What's the podcast called again? Reinvent Yourself with Dr. Tara. And the first episode is out now and it's with Jim Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah, again, sorry, I couldn't find anyone better than that. So it's, I, I was really scrubbing Keep about thinking, it. please. Yeah, yeah, I'll find someone. I'll get you someone, I promise. <laughs> Thank you so much. And where can people find out more about you and get a hold of the book, The Source? Yeah, so um, the the book is sold everywhere you can buy books, Amazon, bookshops. Um, on my website, taraswart.com, there is links to the book and the podcast. And on Instagram, I'm Dr. Tara Swart. And on Twitter, I'm Tara Swart. Great. Thanks again. And we'll be back again with another episode next week. Oh, that was fun. <laughs>